It just happened. They've won eight games out of ten. This is fucking insane stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Really? What? How have we gotten to the stage where you and I have come on now and we're just picking it apart? Yeah, it was good. It was an all away. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. I thought Marco Silva deserved his Golden Globe for Banshees of Inishirn. <laughs> I enjoyed that film, thought it was entertaining, but a lot of people came away from it asking a question, which I think is a weird question to ask of any film. What was the point of that? <laughs> What's the point of that film? And your film have been getting a lot of plaudits to be critically acclaimed they're getting a lot of rave reviews or showing off the west of London to the rest of the world you know showing off that the west of London actually have one football team at least and, <laughs> and you know they're showing that their manager Colin Farrell is a star a star not just in the making but a firmly established star and they even had James the donkey running around out there as well <laughs> But I watch them and think, what is the point of that? (laughs) Like, definitely a tale of two halves. It was an uneasy second half. But you look back and they had one shot. (laughs) I felt uneasy, but the cold facts of it are that it was controlled, wasn't it? They they had one shot. And that was in the first 30 seconds. They had 32% possession in the first half. I mean, it was definitely a dark production but the only reason i was laughing at this one is because the last time villa played fulham steven gerrard was still in charge and that was the moment (laughs) that everything changed that was the moment that we began our ascent to fifth place in the premier league i mean as tuesday night goes this is this is a pretty good one i'll take it definitely it was that classic issue if you don't maintain your tempo it's it's unbelievably difficult to get it back and we dropped off like a fucking new parent working the night shift in Deloitte after popping a few volumes and when you do that you're you're asking for trouble especially if you're playing against that not shit team who are playing shit they're going to come out better in the second half and also as well you know our players are wrecked I mean that's, that's starting 11 is putting putting in more hours than Harry Maguire's PR team. And if you think our squad is in there as well, spare a thought for Fulham's. Like, you know, we really saw what, where they were reaching to tonight. I mean, they've had to bring in loan ease from fucking Leeds United. <laughs> but again, I think you're right. I think we are definitely impacted by our past uh, lives as Aston fans. And it's just difficult to get it out of our heads that maybe this is actually grand because like you said, they had a shot in the first 20 seconds and maybe Martinez didn't have to do anything for the rest of the game. Yeah, uh, it was way more comfortable than it felt and we might as well get into the first goal at the risk of this top of the show being three minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, a lot of games coming thick and fast but the goal, the first goal, the only goal, I mean, John McGinn took, what, his eighth corner in a row? <laughs> <laughs> Mings does the Buendia header, I think we have to call it. I mean, such a such a good leap. Only Buendia could get up as high as Tyrone Mings got up to get that ball. And um, that's ah, a delicate flick off the crown of his head. And it's it's over the keeper. I mean, over like over Bertolano, the guy who Mikel Arteta, the genius, told us was better. He told his board, <laughs> we're spending more money on him than it was on Emmy Martinez. 
and it's flicked over his head. But what about Buendia? What about Buendia? The anti nanny at the back post. <laughs> like, not only is he not trying to steal it, he's holding off his man, and he doesn't even try to steal the celebration. He just he stays out of the way of the shot, and he stays out of the way of the celebration because he's standing in the net. And what about Austin McPhee? I mean, standing around looking to take praise for this. Look, like, he's demanding the high five. You can't. You can't force the high five off your superior. It has to come the other way. And he's looking for it off you and I, Emery. I mean, in fairness to Austin McPhee, nine weeks of corners being worked through a maze. He rocks in on a Tuesday night in B6 and he just decides to toss every single corner into the box and into the crowd of players. And it worked. We won the game. Yeah, like I said, Conan, I don't know why we don't try that corner a lot more often. <laughs> Tyro Mingler, the front post is going to where go. Has it, where has it been hiding? It's unbelievable. And it's also unbelievable that that's Tyro Mings' ninth goal in his career. That's a fucking scandal as well. <laughs> but I, I think the director was a bit too eager there to show that he knows the Aston Villa set-piece coach is Austin McPhee. Because let's be honest, the routine was swing it into the big man. <laughs> Yeah, the only other way I can look at that high five moment was him looking to congratulate you and I, Emery, for overruling him. Just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right, Emery, we should have just swung it in all along. Uh, yeah, and, and the other thing is, of course, when he is, isn't celebrating for the goal, had nothing to do with him. He couldn't even pretend to claim that one. <laughs> the penalty shout is the only other big talking point, really. There was an offside goal, and I was going to talk about it. I was going to even complain about it. But then I was like, I can't complain about a player being offside. I, I was just I was feeling that way. I was like, why did they let him in? And I was like, well, they let him in because he's well, offside. Well, I know, like last week, you wanted the fucking re- assistant refs to throw up their flag so that the, <laughs> let the technology take care of it afterwards. <laughs> but like the, the rule is, keep your flag down if you're not sure. If the assistant ref wasn't sure if that was offside, they know less about football than Joe Hart's social media manager. He was a fucking full person offside. It was mental. <laughs> Who's worse, Joe Hart's social media manager or Harry Maguire's PR team? <laughs> the penalty shout anyway I mean what a run from Alex Moreno down the left so fast close control he's like he should lose it for about 20 metres and he doesn't he makes it to the byline like he does and he, he dinks it into the box he doesn't whip it this time and Watkins cuts across the defender Watkins gets brought down ref's not interested I swear to god these referees like, we're paying these referees big annual salaries to what, go to the gym with her days to work on their upper body? <laughs> Frightening amount of them are coming out with sculpted upper bodies and like knowing less and less about the rule book as they go along because they're not spending their days learning the rules and practicing how to cope with pressure. They're, they're doing a game, what, every 10 days? That's probably very generous. And 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 they're getting worse. And, and, and it's actually, this is being applauded almost from their superiors because... I saw a stat recently coming out that obviously is going to be pushed by the referees PR team. Like we talk about social media teams and PR teams. They said that since the World Cup, the VAR mistakes are down to just one in every 30-odd games. Basically every three game weeks. <laughs> if you consider this week, consider this week there's three matches, there's going to be a VAR mistake this week. And they're not even going to count this one. We're talking about the ones that they consider an outright mistake, not the not the clear and obvious loophole that they have. So they're making a mistake almost every three game weeks and they're patting themselves on the back for it. We know there's going to be a mistake. 
like there was one tonight, and that's not counted in their stats because what they're covered by their own shit rulebook that they don't know anything about. I I think the director, the PGMOL should be given the fucking director of that broadcast tonight uh, an award because he did a really good job of trying to obscure whether or not that was a penalty or not. <laughs> Couldn't see a fucking thing. Showed us a replay, then showed us a replay about three inches to the right of the original replay. You know, like we don't know what happened. Like it looks like Watkins gets there first, and then he goes through Watkins and gets the ball. But I, I don't know. I can't say with any certainty, and I know as well that, that ref. Can't say with any fucking certainty either. I mean, he looked like he was just let out of detention to ref the first year's class leagues. Like in, <laughs> in, in, in terms of physical appearance and his utter antipathy towards applying the rules of the fucking sport. It was mad. Yeah. Like, we know for sure that he went through Watkins. The only thing I'm in doubt about is whether he then got the ball after he went through Watkins. That's the only thing up for debate in my head. I, I, I definitely, you can definitely see him clipping the ball, but it's whether or not he takes a side beforehand to get there. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll never know, I suppose. <laughs> Why would we? Why would they let us know again? And PGMOL aren't going to have to look at this one either because, you know, Villa won. Who cares? We can all just move along. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, let's go to WhatsApp oranges. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Just Emmy Martinez and Alex Moreno getting fines this week. Yellow card for Martinez for time wasting. <laughs> That's back. That's back. Only we'll keep an eye on it. Might come in even more as we get to squeaky bum time now of the season. And Alex Moreno for letting a pass go under his legs on the sideline. Yeah, come on, Alex. Big fan of yours now, but you can't be having that. That's stuff that <laughs> I was going to say me or you would do, but I know you would get really offended by that. <laughs> I wouldn't be taking any offence to the first person you named there. But <laughs> the Martinez one was about the only thing the ref did with any sort of, you know, urgency in the whole game. He, he booked Martinez before he even had time to time waste. I <laughs> said he was more than eager to do that. It was mad. Gaz Oaks on Twitter, the Villa podcast on Twitter, if anybody's not following us, he... He said, are the film players getting fined? Because he's never seen a team kick it out of play so much. And he's so right. Pereira did it loads. Daniel James did it a few times. Robinson, Tosin, 
Solomon seemed to just keep running the ball out of play on the end line. Like, is this guy Solomon's one of the worst players I've ever seen. <laughs> it was actually such a relief. Like, but Ashley Young, like, if anybody deserved to be marking Solomon for an evening, it was Ashley Young. They talk about paying your dues. This guy has been running up against Harvey Barnes and sprinting after players who are way faster than him. And, just about hanging in there in games and having to over-deliver Delloran sometimes when he might be letting away the winger every so often. Jesus, he really earned that rest tonight. <laughs> this guy, Solomon, what was going on out there? Like what? That, that was really comfortable watching that ball go out to the left for a change tonight. Yeah, because it either went over the left end line or Solomon got it and then just ran it over the fucking end line itself. It was un- incredible. That one where he just kind of just stumbled to the ground as well. What the fuck was going on there? Bizarre oh. stuff. Yeah. The first WhatsApp point is an old classic coming back. I don't know if you've been keeping track of the out of time. We were given three minutes. Three <laughs> minutes of out of time. Injury time in the first half. And we missed over a minute of that. The last minute of the out of time because somebody was injured. So I just assumed, okay, they're going to add on this injury time that we didn't get because of an injury. We got 11 seconds extra because of that, and they got blown up as Villa were on the end line with the ball about to cross it back in after a corner. I was really pissed off because I hate that anyway. Big bugbear. Referee was annoying me anyway, but also I just felt like, oh, we really needed another goal, and we were finally in a position to put the ball back in the box again, and geez, Fulham were just crying out to be beaten in that first half. I was worried that they were going to come out a bit better in the second half. They did very slightly come out a bit better but I just thought they were in a coma ready to be put out of their misery and we didn't do it and the ref deprived us of over a minute yeah and we had a little bit of momentum there as well having lulled for about 25 minutes and but let's be honest I mean this this lad wasn't going to add on any time he had to get home for his fucking mass tea (laughs) the second whatsapp wins does Mings really need to take a goal kick (laughs) Look, I don't want to sound like a talk sport presenter. <laughs> but this is just something that these new coaches are bringing in. It doesn't need to happen. The keeper can play it to Mings. Mings can play it back to him. What's going on here? That's not part of our league, is it, Conan? Yeah. These boys coming over here, they don't know the game. What the hell's going on? It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's just a new fad, isn't it? What would Tim Sherwood make of this? I don't think Tim Sherwood would have even noticed it was happening. He's just there boiling with rage and anger at the fact that Unai Emery was given a job in this country. <laughs> the third WhatsApp wins. Did you notice? Did you notice Buendia stopped chasing Reem, jumped two feet in the air and planted him when he got turned by him, and then he realized Reem was still there. Reem had just run around to the side of his body, and then Buendia had to keep chasing him, and it was too late. Reem was away at that stage. Yeah, I mean, I think this this could be a, a bigger issue than just a WhatsApp whinge. I mean, it was fucking unbelievable. It was everything we used to hate about Emiliano Buendia whenever he first when he first joined the club. <laughs> it reminded yeah. me of him under Dean Smith tonight. Yeah, he's hopping on the spot, waving his arms around like a fucking wacky waving inflatable tube man at a garage. Like <laughs> just sta- standing there overseeing a car getting nicked. He doesn't let the Fulham play, play on, play through us, standing on the spot going, and like, it was fucking unbelievable. And then he was given out to Ollie Watkins as well, uh-huh. for two passes to Ollie Watkins. And the first one wasn't brilliant from Watkins, but the second one was Badia's fault. 
Like it, it was his fault because he couldn't fucking get there. He couldn't shift as not as big as John McGinn's arse arse. It was incredible. Just run after the ball. And the way he run after your fucking teammate, screaming in his face, not only is that bad enough to be doing, Fulham have the fucking ball. We're only 1-0 up. Get back. <laughs> he was screaming at him, yeah, because, because Watkins didn't take a ball out of the sky and nestle it between his toes. Is that what he, like at this stage Villa for about ten minutes just started pumping seventy yard passes down to Watkins, and his only mode of help was Buendia around three four Fulham players, and Buendia was blaming Watkins for not just sitting it right into his his path. He he nestled it into somebody's path who could fucking shift their body who or who was willing to shift their body. He was ahead of the Fulham player, and the Fulham player just outmuscled him and outran him to get there. It was pathetic. Yeah, he. I haven't gone down on the vitamin meter. Just, just a lot of dallying at the edge of the box today. Getting blocked down. Sometimes I feel like that's something that shouldn't happen either. I'm not going to start handing out fines for it, but when you've got a bit of time at the edge <laughs> of the box, you got a bit of time at it. I just want to see players getting blocked down. You know, falling over in the halfway line. Yeah, just, just those frustrating elements of his performance. Brindy has been excellent the last few weeks, but that was a really annoying performance tonight, like when he first signed, like you said. Yeah, you can, like forget about the block down the edge of the box. We have to we have to singularly focus on Emiliano Bundia's emotional resilience here and how willing he is to scream at his teammates' face or just to spin off like a fucking ballerina and complain that he's lost the ball instead of getting back and winning the fucking ball back. It was one nil. Yeah. And this this is what Unai Emery had pointed out as well about Bundia, about his emotional resilience and keeping it under control and at least like making it less visual to the opposition team that he's so frustrated. But ironically, maybe it's not ironic at all. He, his best 10 minutes of the game, best 15 minutes was when he should have come off, but they brought Ramsey off instead and Bertrand Trorori came on. And I know, you know, Bertrand Trorori, a rising tide lifts all boats and all that. But, <laughs> but I feel like he just, I don't know, did he get a new lease of life or did he feel a bit more free then because he knew there was nobody else to come on for him? Like that could have been it, or maybe as well. Let's give him a bit of credit. Maybe he realised, "Fuck, I've gotten lucky there." Yeah. I mean, like I, I can't believe I've managed to stay on after what I've been doing the last couple of minutes, and also my general performance. He was also helped out an awful lot by the fact that Jacob Ramsey was shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave that there. I'm very conscious now that we spent twenty minutes. This is how far we've come. We spent twenty minutes just moaning about another win, a fifth win in a row. <laughs> <laughs> at Villa Park, the place where Emery was pissed off that we weren't getting enough results. He fixed that too. He fixed our midweek slump as well. Apparently, AVFC Stato had a stat there. I think I'm quoting him correctly that we hadn't won a midweek game since the Arsenal lockdown match. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Depressing. I haven't dug in. They had no reason to doubt him. I'm only doubting whether or not I'm uh, passing on that information correctly. And yeah, so like it's another curse lifted for Unai Emery as well. Another streak that's continuing and and yeah he, he's made us all so demanding which is what he's asked for that we're here complaining about it all <laughs> but to that end we will hand out some awards after this <laughs> I, I burst onto the scene didn't I and I was gonna be the next best thing oh who, who was it that said? The 
was an interview with somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18, youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards, he was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, lad? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship. Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. The Bertram Ferrari. Oh, that is just filthy award. I've got a few nominations here, and I am starting with Tyro Mings's left foot. We could pick anything from Tyro Mings's left foot tonight, but the outside of the boot pass to Alex Moreno, my God, this was a couple of minutes after his goal, and he was feeling good. He got that on his laces and just stroked it around the defender into the space and just had Villa Park oohing and on. But, geez, Mings was like a quarterback tonight, wasn't he? He was spraying passes everywhere into people's feet and 40, 50 yards away. One stage start of the game when it was nil nil felt like he was playing the midfield role that I said he could play he was so so high up he was directing play it was good because I feel like Dundonker was I don't want to say spare part but everybody was had a bit of zip bit of energy it felt like they, they were all able to take on Fulham except Dundonker he was the one that slowed it down every so often and it was like ah oh, if we had Kamara there like they would be toast but Tyrone Mings was stepping up in Kamara's place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely incredible passing that that often went to waste because the person receiving it too often played it the way they were facing, you know, and often back out through the line that Tyrone Mings had just broken with some sort of an outrageous pass. But it was yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. It was absolutely brilliant. Buendia had a lovely nutmeg at the edge of the box at Dundonker. Remember that? It seemed like he was just going to try and poke it back out to Isla Young. Mm. But ah, Buendia giving him a hard time there. But he does see some stuff that I don't see. I'll, I'll hand it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this this came in the same move. So it was that Ming's absolutely filthy outside the boot to Moreno. Then Buendia filthy nutmeg back heel into Dundonker. And then it eventually shuffled its way out to John McGinn and his filthy arse and they should think the ball across. I got it to Young and he dinked it across to the back post for Moreno to have a shot that was blocked it would have been an absolutely ridiculous goal with the filth that was in it yeah Douglas Louise put someone on their arse he, he was just, like, he did it Douglas Louise put someone on their arse with body movement only <laughs> talk about missing Bubakar Kamara Douglas Louise was doing it all I thought I thought only Dua Lipa could put men on their arse with some <laughs> lovely moves of the body. <laughs> but turns out Douglas Ruiz can do it too. Yeah, yeah, took him for a fucking walk. And that was the one that resulted in the John McGinn drag shot, but it's where he just can move in between the two players. He did it a couple of times during the game. It was absolutely... Douglas Ruiz, again, was just absolutely brilliant. Tim and McGinn were, were in, immense in, that, in yeah. that game, in both an attacking and defending sense. 
Yeah, the, the the drag shot, that was the second half. The one I'm talking about was the first half where he was just running towards the sideline. I was complaining about him on Sunday diving after he run towards the sideline. This time he just shifts oh, his body. Oh, my God, it just slipped straight past him. Slipped, everyone cheered. Louise runs out. But the, like that one, I think it was Pereira who came into him, the one that they set up McGinn for. Just the way he lets that ball come, lets the tackle come, and then bang, he's away. It's like, see you later, kid. Such a tight area. And yeah, just sets up McGinn and... Okay. He's, he's a great player, isn't he? <laughs> he yeah. really is. Like he did it in the first half as well, on the halfway line where he just ran in between two players and got fouled. Like he's got so many strings to this ball, it's absolutely ridiculous. We're going to eventually run out of things to say. Well, I don't think we are actually because he does have so many things that he can do. He'll do something in every game that's that's incredible. It's passing, it's passing range tonight. The control he, he brought into the game, the movement of his hips, like you said, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but the winner of the filthy award is probably Buendia's not made to Dundonker. So even on a bad day, Buendia's giving oh. me something to celebrate. The Ronnie Rosenthal award. Yeah, Fulham's only shot really was the Pereira bicycle kick. I mean, this was annoying because it was that cross from the right-hand side that we so often complain about. It finds its man like we so often complain about. Pereira, that's a good effort really, but uh, it's just a few inches wide. Yeah, the annoying thing about this was we did the right thing initially. Daniel James makes a makes a run, and our back four completely ignored it. But then Moreno didn't get close enough to the cross, and whenever whenever I saw that floating, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Just not closing down a cross in the first twenty seconds of a game, and we've conceded a goal from it. But luckily, just like the Fulham fans, the Fulham Park, I was wrong. <laughs> when the uh, had a shot blocked. At the edge of the box, but this was just a lovely move. It was a Douglas Louise diagonal ball to Moreno. First time volley, like Douglas Louise would do back in his heyday. First time volley across, and when Diaz charging in and got it blocked. I wasn't I wasn't angry at him for that one being blocked. It was a crowded box that he was coming converging <laughs> in on. And then Ashley Young had a deflected shot as well, speaking of blocked shots at the edge of the box. I feel like Watkins could have done better from the Douglas Louise corner. This was the one that Louise just absolutely whipped in some bend on it as well, and Watkins just missed it with his head. He came out to Young, and he, he he really caught hold of it, but it hit off someone and went wide. Yeah, the, the Bandia one. Like when I saw when I saw them that doggy get turned, I was I was like a fucking excited puppy because we could all see we could all see in Emery vision at that moment, and Moreno was in acres of space, and Dougie hits it perfectly. <laughs> Moreno does really well to control the cross. Like, do we do we want our centre forward leaving that gun and stepping over the bar? I mean, it was or stepping over the ball. Like it was probably it was probably out of respect for a groundsman after Buendia's histrionics in the dying seconds last week. I mean, he didn't he didn't want them to have to go and add a lick of paint to the fucking post. <laughs> but if I was if I was Saturday's co-com, I would have I would have been a lot more excited because that was set up so well for John McGinn's left foot. Unfortunately, it was actually Buendia coming in on the shot, and like you said, we can't get annoyed at him for that. The Ashley Young one was was interesting. Like I'm not sure what the fuck is going on with Watkins missing the header. It was like he was trying to start a fight with a ball, trying to get it to flinch. Fucking stick your nut on it, mate. What are you playing at? And then from Young, it was actually an incredible strike. The the angle that ball was coming out at him. Yeah. And someone needs to check what's fucking filling the cavity in Reem's skull because that was wellied off his head and he didn't fucking flinch at all. <laughs> I, I've actually never seen Young hit the ball that hard. It was it was mad how how hard it came off his boot. Yeah, it was fucking mad how hard it came off Reem's head. <laughs> <laughs> what 
what is it with Joe McGinn's headers? Why, why are they? <laughs> they always look weird. This was the right decision this time, but it just doesn't look right. Was it Ramsey across it? Lovely cross off the left foot, whole way around over the bodies, kept away from the keeper. And it's right, McGinn is right to head it, but it's just, every time he heads it, I'm like, ah, oh, just fucking hit that with your foot. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't at his feet. He just, I don't know what, he, he sort of, he runs into it. Does his head go back or something? It's like his head isn't part of the momentum of his body. It's such a weird thing that it does to the ball. You can't convince me that Ramsey was trying to pick out John McGinn at the back poster, and not just because the better ball was to Watkins, but because no player in this Aston Villa squad will ever play the ball to McGinn's head again after the two shambolic <laughs> attempts of this, this earlier this year. And sorry, I don't know why I said we'll ever play the ball to McGinn's head again, because those two attempts I'm referencing weren't balls to his fucking head, and that was the very problem. But it's it's strange. You know people who've never played football before and the ball's in the air and they go to header and they just let the ball hit the top of their head? I think that's yeah. what he's doing. He's just letting the ball hit the top, the middle top of his skull instead of hitting his fucking forehead. <laughs> in the second half, Watkins v. Tosin and like, they tried to get onto the left like you always encourage him to do. Just get the ball out of your feet, man. It just never felt convincing, that one, did it? I, I think the problem was he didn't want to go onto his left. I thought he was he was waiting too long to try and get it onto his right, and he just never opened up. Before that, McGinn does absolutely brilliantly to win the ball, and then he moves the ball on brilliantly to Watkins, and it was set up for that. I think the first touch doesn't get far enough out of his left foot, so he can't get the strike away when he wants it, and he has to take another one, and by then he's never going to score. Yeah, and the other one was... Douglas Louise had a shot balloon from the edge of the box. I can't remember the last time he had a shot from the edge of the box. It wasn't ballooned over the bar. He's, be- he's become shit from shots at the edge of the box. <laughs> Apart from that one that hit the side net whenever he lined it up like he was hitting the corner. That's the key to this. Yeah. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah, as long as he's facing away from the net, he'll be good at it. And uh, John McGinn was the other chance from the Douglas Louise past him and he, he zipped it wide. Uh, winner... I want to sort of go with the Watkins missed header, and maybe not the jump again missed header. Really, he won a he won a corner at least. It's a bit of a low bar, really, isn't it? But <laughs> he won a he won a corner because of who the goalkeeper was. Let's be fucking honest. There, just pick that up. Some what the fuck are you playing at? But yeah, before that, Watkins has to he has to head the ball. <laughs> Make an an extra with the ball. It's a goal. Yeah. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. We've already mentioned this guy a couple of times now, but what the fuck was Solomon's dive? Like It, it felt Louise's arm on his arm. It was so, it was so pathetic that he jumped up himself. You know, we just thought, ah, oh, Jesus. I, like, I, I remember, yeah, we did their cameras. If I want a penalty. <laughs> if I want a penalty to look at. I just get up. Hopefully everybody forgets about it. It's like his eyes closed. Just, you know, come on. Like, hey, let's go on. Kick that ball out, Emmy. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, like he was he was just shy of looking at the ground and pretending he stumbled over something, a divot in the ground or whatever. I mean, it, it really was pathetic because of the camera situation. You're right, he, he, like he couldn't have known. That was early enough in the game. He couldn't have realised that the referee was a fucking transition year student at that stage, so he didn't realise how daft he was. But had he had he dived later on in the game, I would have a lot more sympathy for him because he would have had all the, all the experience of having played with that referee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Douglas Louise tried an attempted studs pass to Moreno in the corner. Oh. He just let him inside, and I was waiting for him to double it up by giving away the penalty. He was he was in behind, and the players were stopping, and Louise was reaching. I was like, 
and in fairness, he did back off. He did back off, but he did give the ball away on the end line as well. Gave the ball away, dicking around as well, because yeah. like he stopped the ball for studs, and that didn't give him the second he thought he had uh, gained or thought he was going to gain from it. And then he just played the pass that you would play had you gained the fucking second, but he didn't. Also, it's a pass you'd play if you were four 0 up and wanted to dick around. <laughs> exactly. The. Winner, maybe, yeah, probably is. Tyrone Mings beating Emmy Martin is in the air in the 92nd minute to the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyrone Mings did recover to block the cross coming across that Emmy Martin has reacted to well then as well. So that's like just, that's the sort of thing. Like, I can't believe they have the ball again. I can't believe they're going to get another chance now because we've taken the ball away from our keeper's hands. It was just floating, another shit cross floating into his hands. I can't believe they're going to get their second chance of the 90 minutes. <laughs> and the, the, wor- the worst thing about that, it's like Tyrone Mings has never played with Emmy Martinez before. Like, you know, it's the right thing to do if you don't know what's around you, head it out. Tyrone Mings knows what are, what's around him. It's the best fielder of a ball in the fucking country. Let him come out and catch the ball, Ty. What the fuck are you playing at, mate? I feel like Emmy Martinez looked taller tonight. Did they look taller to you? Uh, Dan James is on the pitch, Connor. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, the only other nomination I have for the Peter Rankin What the Fuck Award is Dan James. <laughs> I actually, sitting sitting in my apartment on my own whenever he said Dan James is coming, I actually clapped my hands together and rubbed them up and down. It was fucking pathetic. It's it's incredible. Like, what is this lad? He's he's quick. Like, I'm, I'm sure he's quick in bed as well, but that doesn't make him any fucking good at it. Like, it's unbelievable <laughs> this lad still has a career. He's been loaned from Leeds. It's unbelievable. That's how quickly his career has fallen down, down the fucking tubes. Yeah, like, when you're in the alternative, especially the last reverse fixture was Mitrovic, and then it's fucking Dan James. <laughs> like, remember the last time Gerard got so freaked out? Well, was Matt Cash the best player under Gerard, and he dropped him to play a third centre half against Mitrovic because he was so freaked out about him? And you know, rightly so, he didn't need to be that freaked out about him. But uh, Mitrovic is a good player and a fucking handful in every every single way. And when you replace him with Dan James, and just again, Mitrovic is a handful, but Jesus, Tyrone Mings and Cons are well able to. Mark one centre forward. <laughs> but like we're talking about the Peter Rankin and what the fuck award. He was definitely the winner of the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award as well. He like I don't think he understood, especially when Villa were one 0 up. That you know, Daniel, come on, we we can't we we can't get this going until you come on and, and push up and show a bit of interest and pressing. Like we're going to be here all night if you don't make a half-hearted attempt to run forward. He was just standing back, and you know, Emmy was just standing on the ball, being like, "Come on, Daniel! Like we can't, we can't play this match until you start getting involved." And he was sleeping. He was, <laughs> he was the one that was most in the coma out of all, and that's really saying something out of all those Fulham players. Yeah, and do you remember whenever he was having a shit time at Man United, which was his career at Man United, yeah. and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tried to justify his repeated selection by saying he's the best <laughs> defensive winger in the league. Every time Daniel James tries to tackle somebody, he falls. That's what happens. He's not a good. He gets back kind of quickly. That's it, and then he falls over when he gets there yeah. because he's so lightweight. It's pathetic. It, it, it's he's an absolute joke. And I really think I gave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer too hard a time whenever he was at Man United because I know I always bring up the fact that he was praised for his methodical approach of signing 
Dan James, Armand Basaka, and Harry Maguire for 145 million pounds of real, real money. <laughs> but I don't think I actually think he should be inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame for getting 30 million for Dan James. That is a fucking yeah. incredible feat. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And now maybe in fairness to Daniel James, he is just embarking on a journey that's going to one day see him being known as the best defensive striker in the Premier League. <laughs> the Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Just a couple of nice pieces of play that I wanted to point out. Coming from the back, like we had that obviously really nice counter-attack. Emmy Martinez throws it, launches it up to Jacob Ramsey. First touch is great. He's strong. He holds off the foul. Gets it to Watkins. Gets a shot away. It was just a nice move. You know, Emery loved it. The other one was Kanza. Plays a long ball, but a, a long pass forward to Douglas Louise, who chests it down to Buendia, who half volleys it, just pings it across the pitch to Moreno. And we're away down the left end as well. Just some, some nice moments of play. Into the corners, we're just swinging it in. <laughs> we were like we were mixing it up, and we we're really seeing a development. I know it went off a cliff a bit in the second half, but the first half was very enjoyable. How you controlled Villa were like once again we're playing a team. You know, in fairness, here in the top half, like we were all worried coming into these run of fixtures. Oh look, we're playing these teams in the top half. Beat Newcastle, beat Fulham, drew with Brentford, and <laughs> we've dominated another team who we feel like we should be dominating. The team who's going well this season too, so it's not. It's not like a, a Leeds United or even a Crystal Palace who've been 12 for what feels like four seasons in a row now. So like we, we, we're playing a team here further up the table, having a way better season, way better setup. And yeah, we just, just sort of fucking cast them aside as well. Like, yeah, it's done with you. Next. <laughs> it was. It was really, really encouraging. A lot of the play that we had, a lot of the nice little moves that we had as well there, particularly at this time of the season. And the crowd were getting frustrated at times during that first half, and like I know we'd all rather be out in the tear to celebrate David Moyes' birthday, and I know there was <laughs> there was there was too much dwaddling on the ball, and and it looked terrible for a lot a lot of the time as well. But that was all driven by the fact that Fulham didn't appear to know the rules of the sport and the main rule that whoever scores the most goals wins the game. Like it was absolutely mad that they didn't try to get the ball back, yeah. and like you said, that Daniel James just stood in the halfway line. And we're not quite there yet, and we'll improve on this template, and we'll we'll have to, as other teams approach it, more like more like Fulham did in that first half, or how David Moyes' West Ham did. But the the important thing is we will get better, and it's working as well. And it's it's not like it's not like we're not creating loads of chances after we stand on the ball as well. And it's not like it's not like we're not scoring every fucking game we play. Yeah. But it's. It's like we were waiting for Fulham to play like they did in the second half. And then when they did, we weren't ready for it. So that's what we wanted in the first half. And then Fulham did it. And we just weren't able to find the spaces anymore. Strange. It was a strange game. Isn't that so true, though? Like, we, we, yeah, in a way, we sort of slowed down the play. And we haven't in attack. But from building out from the back, it's slower. There's more touches. They'll wait until teams press them up. And it feels like they're pissing around and, and they're slow. And yet we create so much more chances. It feels like every time we get the ball to midfield, we're getting through. It's like so much so that when we played Brentford and a couple of our passes then in midfield got cut out, it was like, what the fuck is this shit? 
<laughs> where's the shot at the end of this move <laughs> like, you know, every time we go forward we seem to be able to create a shot it's no wonder that they've scored now in 20 matches in a row and I suppose the other nomination for the Tim Sherwood award and clear winner really is that we've we've gone and matched Man City's record unbeaten run this season like the most unbeaten run of games in league this season 10 games Aston Villa now are joint with that record and you wouldn't put it past them they keep going it's just it just happened they've won eight games out of ten this is fucking insane stuff <laughs> <laughs> what is happening really how have we gotten to the stage where you and i have come on now and we're just picking it apart yeah it was good it was an all away <laughs> but like you know could we have gotten more goals <laughs> should we have gotten more chances oh this is this is mad stuff it is. It absolutely is, man. And I said it was David Moyes' birthday there. I, it's actually Johan Cruyff's birthday as well. I think he, he must be dead six or seven years now at this stage. So he's probably done the whole afterlife thing. You know, he's tried his turn on Beckenbauer. He's he's argued with Pelly about whether goals against the U.S. Army should count in his official tally. <laughs> he's done a line with Maradona. He's be haunted his family. He fucking haunted Jordy his whole career, for being honest. But like, so what? What else is he gonna do tonight? But sit and have a few cold beers and watch the Villa. And I think he'd be watching Aston Villa, thinking, "Jesus Christ, that's a tidy little team there." <laughs> I'm sure on David Moyes' birthday too, he'd be sitting watching this game, and the the monkey inside his skull would have continued banging his symbols together. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't prepared to talk about David Moyes' birthday. <laughs> the vitamin meter going up. The ball boy who threw the second ball at Anthony Robbins' head. <laughs> he did not look impressed by that, did he? It was just like, it was a sort of, what the fuck? Why is this, why is this happening? <laughs> I'm surprised this wasn't nominated for the... Emmy Martin is, is Ronaldo not hitting the shit out there anymore? <laughs> That's so true. Missed opportunity. The ball boy wins that anyway. <laughs> Only player I have gone down really is Buendia. If we were going to pick hairs, we could probably find a few more. But I've got John McGinn going up. I mean, the amount of fouls that he won. Like, <laughs> it really is such an outlet. We spoke about this Newcastle and Brentford game. We can just hit that long down to a very small player on the right-hand side and he'll hold it up and win a foul. Uh, just a couple of nice moves when he was stranded on the right hand side just a win freeze as well just, just a very very much a vimin meter display really dogged he even apologized to the linesman after the game for balling him out of it for not giving him the corner which should have been a corner no need to apologize john <laughs> but uh, just a bit of class you know he just probably called him a fucking prick and then he's over there and sorry about that mate sorry about that <laughs> Yeah, just to pick you up on something. You don't win fouls or freeze, you get fouled. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very clever player is John McGinn. <laughs> but like John McGinn and Douglas Louise, I mean, it was like they were working on a fucking Irish Bakery, the amount of turnovers they were producing in that game as well. Yeah. As well as the free kicks they were, the t- amount of times they were being fouled, the amount of times they were actually just winning the ball back cleanly and starting counter-attacks was fucking incredible. Brilliant performances from the pair of them. Yeah. Do you know, I don't think they do turnovers in Dublin. It's an absolute disgrace. Like, I think it's more of a, a nor- north of the country type of vibe. Then they definitely have them in Derry, they have them in Belfast. I don't know if they have them anywhere else. <sighs> Going down, Irish bakeries. <laughs> <laughs> Going up, Isley Young at the back post. That has to be an automatic. Going up, doesn't it? When that ball's going over the head and it looks like someone's about to tap it in. And good old Isley Young. Although. Solomon was there anyway. Maybe he should have just let it go. Yeah, but like, 
I'm I'm starting to worry that that Ashley Young thinks just getting the minimal of touches onto a ball, the back post is how you're supposed to defend those situations. <laughs> it didn't work out that well for him last week, and he is very <laughs> lucky that it was Solomon that was behind him. Yeah, just a faint touch will be enough to get a pass this chump. <laughs> the only other thing I have going down, actually, I know I said when Dave was the only thing going down, but Bertie T's tackle. <laughs> what was that? That was that was crazy stuff. That was that, again, you know, how many times can we give him a pass for this again? It's just like you know, it, when Bertie T does something, it's it's unexplainable. It's because it was Bertie T that does it. That's the explanation in in and of itself. <laughs> Madness! I've never seen him do something like that. It was two foot lunge. Like it was incredible stuff. <laughs> the only way, the only way, the only reason he was lucky there is because he's so shit at tackling that he started the lunge too far away to actually land on the guy's ankles. It was mad, mad stuff. And he seemed to grieve by it too. That was the that was the matter thing about. I it think all. he had to he had to play it like that, didn't he? <laughs> you know, we can give, we can slag Bert Pia for being a bit of a loose cannon, but he's probably not that thick. So he had to, he knew he was in trouble there, but he didn't pretend that nothing happened. Tyrone Mings is going up, of course. He got the goal as well, but he's geez, he's playing some stuff. And Emmy Martin is going up too because I assume that he's just fighting through whatever bug that he has. Thought ah, like you know, there's too much people desperately messaging me to play on Tuesday night. I can't not play. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he's not that bad now. Like it was just a stomach bug and a man of his constitution would I'm sure would fight that off pretty quickly. Anybody else you want to go up or down? Going down Vinicius fist on Emmy Bundia's stomach. I mean like yeah call call me a traditionalist. I don't think you should be allowed to punch someone in the ribs, especially someone as emotionally brittle as Emiliano Bundia. You keep break that man in two with an inappropriately judged hug. But like yeah, obviously obviously it wasn't that big a deal. But then later on he fucking elbows Kanza at the end. And again, I, I don't think I've ever played a game of football and not had that happen to me. But everyone who's done it is a scumbag. Anytime I've done it, I'm not that type of player. But people like Vinicius are scumbags when they do it. Like, file this lad under cunt. Like, I'm, I'm probably going to have to get a bigger filing cabinet at this rate. But what a wanker. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have a category. It's should we sign this player just in case. Maybe we should just have cunt on the other <laughs> side of that too. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Only one place to go, really. It's Tottenham Hotspur social media. <laughs> That this like this is just brilliant stuff. Do you know the way everyone gets excited every time United lose about the player statements that are going to come out and you know what what are they all going to say and who's going to be the best and what if what if a team joined forces <laughs> to release a joint player statement? <laughs> oh my god, who okay this? Who thought this would be a good idea? They put this out in social media. The players have a message for our fans who went to Newcastle on Sunday. Dot dot dot. <laughs> And we get a we get a picture of this statement. As a squad, we understand your frustration, your anger. <laughs> it wasn't good enough. We know words aren't enough in situations like this, but believe us, a defeat like this hurts. We appreciate your support, home and away. And with this in mind, we would like to reimburse the fans with the cost of their match tickets. Don't worry about the, the travel up from London to Newcastle, from St. James's Park. We know this does not change what happened on Sunday, and we will give everything to put things right against Manchester United on Thursday evening, when again, your support will mean everything to us, together and only together. 
can we move things forward? I don't know what the question is, but this is pathetic. <laughs> Pretty interesting at the end there that they implicate the fans in it as well, just to make sure they pass as much of the blame around as possible. They have to be <laughs> together. What sort of a statement is that? Just caveating it at the end. By saying, this, I know we're dickheads, but we're all on it together. <laughs> Bang, I haven't seen this much shit coming out of London since 2006 when they ate that dodgy lasagna and let Arsenal get into the top four. Or maybe, maybe maybe that time when they when they when they shot the bed against Chelsea and handed Leicester the fucking title. I mean, lads, did you just realise? Like, it, it took an absolute spanking from a team that had just been absolutely spanked to realise that maybe you shouldn't act a maggot. Oh, I, I didn't realise it was a bad idea to walk up to someone who's bigger than me and just and has just been slapped and start acting like an absolute plank. Like I can't believe he decked me. Of course he did. I mean, Jacob Ramsey scored 28.5% of his Premier League goals against you. Pay for the fucking train fare as well. But, yeah, fair play to the players. They didn't have to dip into their incredibly deep pockets. But, unfortunately, for Spurs fans, the players also seem to think they don't have to dip into their professional integrity or fucking pride either. Like, at least at least whenever Chelsea spanked us 8-0, we had fucking Loughton and Baker and Clark and Holman and... Westwood and fucking Herod trying to stem, stem the flow. What the fuck is Spurs' excuse? I actually think Spurs' first mistake was their appointment of an interim manager. It's like all these fucking clubs have decided to follow the United example because the narrative is that that has worked out so well for them this year. The actual story, of course, is that one of the footballing world's superpowers rode off a season after 12 games and hired a fucking consultant to come in on a fact-finding mission, he couldn't find fucking fact in a dictionary. It's, it, it's between fat and face, and fucking fat face is between your midfield and your goalkeeper. There's one problem, and I haven't fucking charged you for it. And if you think if you think Man United needed an inside man, a consultant to point out what was wrong with that club, then you need a fucking medical consultant because you're not wired right. And, and was it worth it, really? Like, like they won a cup with a billion-pound squad. And that squad is also going to finish behind Saudi Arabia and Arsenal and one place above, Aston Villa, who decided not to write off their season this year after fucking 11 games. And look how that's worked out for them. Yeah. And, and like the only thing we look back on with the Aston Villa season is, geez, imagine we had a went earlier. Imagine we had a hired. <laughs> it's not like there's nobody out there. They're, like The same people they're going to look to hire in the summer are the same people who are currently available. That's the maddest thing about it all. But yeah, this is the Daniel Levy thing about it all too. But it's always a lot of fun to see Spurs in free fall, especially now that they've fallen below Aston Villa. And I know you're slagging Man United and you're slagging Fatface, but we are relying on both of those entities now on Thursday night to keep Aston Villa ahead of Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The same way Ashley Young deserved to play a full 90 minutes against a player, I would say even worse and even more anonymous than Jacob Murphy. <laughs> I think we all deserve this position. Aston Villa are in fifth place. Enjoy your Wednesday morning, folks. Let that one sink in. And we'll see after the United game, actually, at the weekend. Might be out on Monday. It's a bank holiday, so don't freak out too much about that. Might be out Monday, but we'll keep you posted on the Twitter account. Follow us there, follow us on Instagram, and you can get in touch on Gmail as well, the Villa Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for all your support. Subscribe, leave a review if you haven't. That'd be class. It really helps. And we will chat to you after United game. All the best. Now when this call in my name.